Hello, everybody, and welcome. We're back. It's all my fault. The COVID bug bit me, and it bit me pretty good a few weeks ago. And so the podcast went on a little hiatus until I could get healthy, and I wasn't contagious anymore, and I wasn't going to get these two guys sick. But anyway, it's great to be back. ABC on Pittsburgh Sports, Michael Andonicio, Tom Bradley, and me, Mark Clemente. We've missed a lot, obviously. Uh, you would think in the summertime, yeah, things get quiet. Yeah, we thought it was a lull. Yeah, we thought we were going to have a little lull, and I wasn't too worried that I had COVID at the time, and we were missing the podcast. But, of course, wouldn't you know, all hell breaks loose over the past couple weeks. We have tons to talk about. So just warn everybody ahead of time, we try to keep our podcasts you know, manageable in terms of you could listen to it on your ride home from work, or you take 30 minutes, you can listen to it. Tonight's going to be long. So carve out a little extra time. Uh, for this week's ABC on Pittsburgh Sports because we have a lot to cover. Well, it works out good for me. My family and myself are driving to Ocean City over the weekend for the holiday. Nice. So they've got a six-hour drive. So I know uh, my my godson, Sean, and his dad and everybody listens to it. So now they've got you know they've got something to so, do on the way down. Perfect. Yeah. Hopefully this isn't six hours. Well, yeah, but you know yeah. what I mean. Well, <laughs> it could be. Who knows? We it get might, on a roll. It I might mean, take that long to get across the Bay Bridge this weekend. That's so. true. That's going to be brutal. And we're heading to the other Ocean City, Ocean City, New Jersey. So we, you have the Bay Bridge. We have Philly Yeah. on our trip. Yeah. So it's a toss-up as to brutal. what's going to be worse. I have Campbell's Run Road. So Yeah, on your way to work. Yeah. It's about the same distance. About, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so a lot to cover as we talked about. So let's get right into it. Steeler news left and right, starting with Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick getting his contract. What do you guys think? I think it's – I think we all knew it was coming – Numbers worked out to be Yeah, he was right. definitely their priority. Yeah, numbers worked out to be about where we all thought they were. You know, he's $200,000 ahead of the last safety, and he'll be – someone will sign a new deal. There'll be 200000 past him. So, um, But I, 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 think it's an, I think it's a no-brainer. He's one of, if not the best safety in the game. Their heavy defense, was, as far as their money goes, everybody talks now they're the number one highest paid defense. Well, and they can afford to do that now that they don't have Big Ben. That's exactly and it. And that I huge mean, salary. And that's how, you know, the Steelers are managing the cap the way you're supposed to. If you've got a rookie, if you've got a rookie, or in this case, they have both a rookie and a low paying veteran that they're not paying a lot of money to at the quarterback position, um, you know, you can get away with paying guys on the other side of the ball a lot of money. And that's mm-hmm. what they're doing. So I thought it was a no-brainer. I thought it was they needed to get out of the way. I'm glad they got it out of the way before camp because I think last year, you know, Watt did the hold in. You know, he was there, but he wasn't. And I think he saw – I think his play, his, his health suffered throughout the year. I mean, he had a lot of soft tissue injuries, and that's the stuff when you're not 100% physically ready to play. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he still had a great season. Um but you know, you missing. You know, I think he missed what three games completely, mm-hmm. and another two um, partially. And uh, so I, I'm glad they got it out of the way. And so he'll have a full camp, and I expect uh, that uh, that's going to help the defense out a lot this year. For me, I, I listen. I, I'm not going to say he is one of the top three safeties in football, without a doubt. But again, he's a safety. To me, it's not a premium position. It really just—it's not a shutdown corner. It's not an edge rusher. It's not a left tackle, right? And obviously, quarterbacks are in a different stratosphere. I, I'm hoping down the road that the deal they signed him to doesn't hamstring them at some point when they need to sign somebody else. I, I just I'm not big on safeties; they're interchangeable. I mean, see, this goes back. I like this, and you guys may remember in one of our first podcasts, I talked about Dan Rooney's old philosophy of football. 
that served the Steelers so well. Everything's about up the middle, right? It's everything's about up the middle. The center, the guards, the quarterback, the running backs. Now that was old school football with Mr. Mr. Rooney, but your nose tackle, your linebackers, and your safety. And so I think it, it for me it was good to see because th- that philosophy still carries over with Art. And when you have that center fielder that's as good as he is, that locks down so much on the back end. I got to disagree with you on this one, Mike. Yeah, I think the money's well spent, no, I, especially everybody when has their in own, line with their philosophy. Everybody has their own opinion. I just I don't value safeties like I do a shutdown corner or an edge rusher. I know he was going to get paid. I mean, he was going if he, the Steelers weren't going to pay him, somebody was going to pay him at some point. I just I don't know if allocating your money to a safety to me it's a eh, you know it's I mean he's a good great safety, but again he's a safety. Yeah. Well, and that goes to my point where you know. Uh, the Steelers, the, on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, we're going to talk about Deontay Johnson. He's in line for money uh, coming up. But when you look at the rest of them, I mean, there's just not going to be a lot of money spent on the offensive side of the ball in the next mm-hmm. three years. You know, almost everybody is in their first or second year um, in their contracts, and, and there's just not going to be a lot of money mm-hmm. on that side of the ball. So now is your chance. That's a great point. And, and they signed Minka to a five-year deal, mm-hmm. which if you have Pickett and mm-hmm. Pickett's your guy – he signed a five-year deal. So by the time Minka's contract is up, it potentially coming off the books. Can he pick it if he becomes what he is? We hope he's going to be and going to be a star quarterback. His money's going to go on the books. Mm-hmm. So you know, I think it. I think it lined up well. Um, I, but I agree with your point. There, safety is a position that is not as important as it used to be when Ronnie Lotts and those guys mm-hmm. were, you know, Steve Atwaters were patrolling back there. But what the Steelers have done is they have a star at every level. They have a star defensive lineman in Cam Hayward. They have a star edge rusher in T.J. Watt, and they have a star safety. So at each level of their defense, they have a guy that is the leader of that group, and hopefully that will lead them. And I think you're going to see, hopefully, a much better Minka this year and let Minka be more of what he was two years ago mm-hmm. than what he was last year. It, Minka can't make 120 tackles this year. He just can't. I mean, he was essentially – the last line of defense because the, the, the defensive line and the linebackers were just getting crucified last year, getting run over, and he had to constantly come up mm-hmm. and make you know making tackles, and that's not his game. He can do it as a free safety. Yeah. not a strong. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's back there to make plays, to right. get picks, to make, get to get the turnovers and stuff like that. What he was doing when he first came here, exactly. And that's first what acquired. I'm expecting. And when you get a guy that you get a safety now, all of a sudden, maybe to your point, you don't have a number one corner. But if you have a safety that's making plays, interceptions, returning touchdowns, as a number one cornerback can do, then maybe you're going to start seeing some of that you know, return on that investment. Well, and of course, the other thing the Steelers did, uh, they signed Larry Ogunjobi. Uh, I love it. Very low risk, high reward. I think they were saying maybe $8 million. It's a one-year deal, incentive-laden. Uh, so if he's healthy, if that ankle's healthy, that's why he, went, he, he didn't play in the playoffs last year. He didn't. No, he didn't. Uh, because of the injury. Um, he's but coming off a really good year. He's, he's coming off old. a great year. He's only 28 years old. Right. So I, I like the move. He had probably his best year in in, mm-hmm. in the NFL. I mean, played the first, what, five with, with uh, Cleveland. Right. And last year, what do you have, seven sacks? Mm-hmm. I mean, 29 solo so tackles at defensive tackle. I mean, that's a solid signing. Yeah, I mean, I like the idea of it. The only thing I don't like is I feel like we went from an offseason of, is Tua going to play? If he's healthy, will he? what will he be like? And now we've transferred that over to Ogunjobi. Okay, is he healthy? What's he going to be like when he plays right. and stuff like that? So, I mean, if you get the player that played last year and he's healthy from the beginning of training camp and we don't have this 
crap lingering over our heads. I think it's a great signing, and I don't think you could have done any better. You know, in you know, end of June, almost July, to get a player of that caliber uh, to be able to come in. I, I think he starts from day one, and I think he's a big part of the defense. And I think it takes off a, a big question mark as to uh, what they were going to do because they were looking at putting a lot on Loudermilk, who's just mm-hmm. a second year guy, and then they were talking about Monty the, Adams. Well, the third round pick. Uh, oh, Leo. Yeah, they were talking about maybe half the. You know, put him right. to the wolves a little sooner, so this lets everybody slot where, where they, they should, should be. Where they yeah. should be. Yep, yep. Yeah. And I, th- I think this also gives him a, an opportunity, a one-year deal, a mm-hmm. prove-it deal to get a three-year deal. You're right. You know, a, a, it's a win-win for everybody yeah, involved. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's going to he, be motivated to play exactly. And he can easily. I mean, if he if he's healthy and shown that he's and he's doing well, they could very easily resign him. I mean, the Steelers are for mm-hmm. the first time in a long time are flush with cap yeah. with 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 uh, salary cap, and that thing's just going to keep going up. Um, so I mean, it, it's easily they could turn around and right. keep this guy too. No, I love the signing. I, I think. You know, this sends Montrevious uh, to the practice squad if he, you know, if they're able to, to stash him there. I mean, when, now you go from having zero depth on the defensive line to having some real solid players. Uh, one, the, you know, the best defensive tackle in football, not named Aaron Donald, Ogan Joby, who had a phenomenal year last year. Um, you know, I think Loudermilk's going to have a big year this year. I think he's going to be much better than what we saw. You saw flashes last year. Well, I think he's only going to get better. Yeah, though, right. Keep yeah. guys fresh. Right. Yes. Yeah, I mean, they usually keep six defensive linemen. Right. So what this does now is it makes Montrevious Adams and Chris Warmly, mm-hmm. in my opinion, fighting for number six. Mm-hmm. And one of those guys could be cut, practice squad. Um, so, I mean, you're going for Chris, Chris Warmly potentially having to start and play probably above his pay grade. To now, is he going to make the team? Right. So, I mean, that's it's a, a good problem to have. That is a very good problem. problem. Well, another good problem they have is at the wide receiver position, right? There's a lot of depth there after the two draft picks this year, George Pickens and Calvin Austin. And now everyone's starting to talk about Deontay Johnson and his contract. It's his turn. And it's now his, it's right. his turn to start talking about well, – Bye bye. About are we gonna? Are they gonna sign yeah. him? And yesterday, I'm sure the yeah. Steelers were cringing yeah. when they seen Washington sign Terry McLaurin to a three year, seventy one million dollar deal. Listen, I, Terry McLaurin's a really, a really good, good run. Wide he's a good wide receiver. Yeah, was it fifty six million guaranteed? guaranteed. Yeah, Jesus. If Deontay Johnson wants that kind of money, then you let him sign somewhere right. else. I mean, like well, he, you do what the Titans did. AJ Brown, a million times AJ, better. Yeah. Way better AJ Brown's Deontay a million Johnson. times better than De- Deontay Johnson. We're not allocating our money to wide right. receivers. No, we're just it's not. Just They're a dime a dozen now are. coming out of college. Especially the way the game's played today. The, mm-hmm. the, the way that the offenses are so open that you know you can't touch wide receivers. You can get guys like this It's anywhere. fascinating to me because in anything, right, it's all about supply and demand. Right? When you don't have a huge Absolutely. supply, demand's high, prices are going to go up. There's a, the supply of wide receivers is unlimited right now. It really is. And prices are still going up. So it's going to correct itself at some point. Um, it, this is out of control. Well, the teams are going to run out of money. money. Exactly. What's going to happen? They're There's going to be no teams to sign a guy like right. Deontay Johnson. They already well, signed Christian Kirks and Terry Well, McCormick. look at, at the Dolphins, right? So they trade for Tyreek, right? When's Tua up for his deal? Does he have two or three? They're not gonna be able to sign. They're not gonna be able to have sign both guys if he's any good, right? Yeah, you're yeah. Right. yeah. you know if he, if Tua turns out to be you know, halfway decent, they're not gonna be able to have both guys on the yeah, because under the that wide cap. receiver hamstrung you from right. signing your quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I don't sense. agree with giving wide receivers that kind of money. I just it doesn't make sense to me at all. Right? I mean, because every year coming out of college, 
There's more and more, and very good wide receivers every single yeah. year. You can get in them in every third, round, fourth, right? Exactly. Yeah. Sixth I mean, round. You know, they're at every school. They're not just at FBS schools. We saw it here. I mean, look, Deontay himself. He's from Mac. Yep. He's Antonio Mac. Brown, Mac guy. I mean, you can find these guys anywhere. And so, for me, it would make zero sense for the Steelers to sign him to, to a big deal like that. Well, another thing too that in my that you have to look at is. Where are the Steelers at from an offensive philosophy? And to me, where they're headed is going to be uh, a good defense and a ball control offense. And you need guys from, to my in my opinion, on the wide receiver spot. The way that I think this offense is going is going to be more possession guys, the guys that get the ball to move the chains. Um, they're going to want to run the ball. They're going to want to be a grinding de- offense, control the ball. So I don't think you're, this isn't going to be an offense, you know, that like Kansas City where they're throwing the ball 50 times a game. I think the formula for them to win in the next couple of years is going to be 25 passes, 25 carries for Najee, control the clock, give your defense a chance to come out mm-hmm. in its best. So I don't know that you need to go pay yeah. $20 million for a wide receiver in this offense. Okay. I agree. I just don't you're think not, so. Regardless of who, who the quarterback is this year, whether it's Mitch or Kenny, and it's probably going to be Mitch, at least at the, you know, the early part of the season. You're right. He's not going to throw the ball 40 times a game. This and if he does, they're in trouble. They're in big trouble. Right. Yeah. I mean, Najee is their guy on offense. He's going to be the focal point of the offense, Tommy. I agree a million percent. He's going to get 25 to 30 touches a game, whether it's 25 carries, five you know catches out of the backfield. He's going to be the workhorse. Wide receivers are going to be you know second fiddle to him. And, and, and I think, yeah. too, I think Firemuth is going to wind yeah. up being the number one receiver. I think he's going to be the guy that mm-hmm. they're looked at this, again, with this style of offense that I'm anticipating that they run, I think it's going to be run the ball and look for the tight end. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be the offense. And I think wide receivers are going to play, uh, you know, on the periphery as far as mm-hmm. their numbers. And this isn't going to be Big Ben's offense where he's chucking the ball 40, 45 times and throwing the ball downfield and doing all that stuff. I just don't think it's that kind of offense anymore. Yeah. But one question I had for you guys before we went on the air that I want to see what you think is, let's just say hypothetically the Steelers do want to pay a wide receiver big money. Well, my question, it always seems to be all the focus is on Deontay Johnson. But the reality of it is there's another guy coming the following year in Chase Claypool that uh, is projects as a potential number one receiver. So the question is, if the Steelers were going to spend money on a receiver, who would you rather spend it on? The the six foot six foot one get off the line, you know. I don't want to say good route runner, yeah, yeah. route runner, yeah. going to do the right things more shorthanded, mm-hmm. or do you want the six foot five, two hundred and twenty five pound physical freak that's going to do all kinds of crazy plays, but maybe you know we throw the ball five yards to him, he drops, you know. I mean, well, see, I disagree. So I I think it is going to be Claypool. I think it's a great point. So if, if we think about what you were just talking about in terms of the offense, we think they're going to be running. I think it's a no-brainer. It's Chase. It's, it's Claypool, right? When a 6'5", 225-pound guy is going to muscle up. He can get you the eight-yard first down, right? Take Use that size to his advantage and be more of a possession type. Sure, he can go down the field and, and out-muscle somebody and high-point a ball and all that stuff. But if you're looking for that first down and you're going to run an out, a nice seven-yard out, I, if I'm a quarterback, I want to throw it to Claypool, not Johnson. Yeah, physically, I, I think Claypool is obviously he, – he's much better physically than Deontay Johnson. He's bigger. He's stronger. Might not be quite as fast or shifty in the open field, 
but he can hit a home run down the field. And then if he becomes more consistent of a pass catcher, we've noticed some drops, some it's some mental mishaps, you would say, some things he's done that maybe he's a little immature. If he cleans those things up, mm-hmm. he could be better than Johnson, and they probably could get him at a little cheaper price than Johnson's mm-hmm. asking for. It doesn't look like Johnson's going to take some kind of hometown discount. Right. So right. I'd rather have Claypool. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see, too. I mean, obviously, Deontay was Ben's guy. So Mitch is out there. Who's going to be his guy? Right? Every quarterback, as we know, they they develop certain chemistry with with very whoever, maybe whatever wide receiver. And we're, there's no guarantee that Deontay is going to be targeted near as much as he was with Ben. Right? Mitch could settle in and have a nice little comfort zone with, with Chase or with Pickens. Or with Calvin Austin. I mean, who knows? Um, so I think it would be absolutely foolish, to get back to our question, to sign Deontay to any type of big money deal. Stupid. Yeah, and I, 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 I'm with Michael. I just don't think you pay $20-some million to a wide receiver. Um, you just don't. I don't think the Steelers will. But you never know. I mean, I, I saw a little bit of, of Claypool. I mean, to, to Michael's point, I 1,000% agree. The biggest problem I have with Claypool is between his ears. Yeah. I mean, yes, he does a high point balls. He does some of that stuff, but that's technique. You can right. teach that. You can coach that out of him. But the mental stuff, the spike in the ball right. with ten seconds to go, or the doing the, whatever he did, the kneel, you know, point yeah. for the first time, all that stuff. That the mental stuff. He seems immature on the field. Mm. And I, off season, I, I started to hear him talking a little bit, and he started to sound like he was taking a little bit of a leadership role. Then last week he says, I think I'm one of the top three receivers in the league. Uh, okay. You know, I, I'm not so sure if he has another half ass right. season, he won't be top three on his team. team right. Um, so I, I want to see. I think this is going to be a big year. And, and, and again, even if they if they go through this year, Deontay Johnson does all this crazy stuff, has a great year, and they want to keep him, they can always franchise him. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, time will tell with that. But I, I, I don't think the Steelers are going to play that game. I don't think so. So, anyway, so another team that's going to start becoming very, very active next week are the Penguins. So, we haven't talked about the Penguins since they were bounced. We talked a little about the NHL, and congratulations to the Avalanche. No surprise. I think we all expected them to win it, uh, and no surprise. Fastest team, most talented team. Normally wins, they won. Uh, and also kudos to the Lightning. I mean, somehow, some way, they were able to get to the third consecutive Stanley Cup. In a salary cap era. In a, right, I mean, exactly. There's a lot to be said about that. And, and it was a good series. I mean, it was a, a very entertaining series. Um, but ultimately, the best team won. Tommy? I, honestly, and I, as much as I, I don't like anybody that potentially rains on my Penguins dynasties or, or history, but what Tampa Bay did, I, I mean – Hockey, if you're not a hockey fan, you don't understand what it's like to go through the hockey playoffs. And, I mean, when the season was over and, you know, they don't talk about injuries in hockey because, you know, players can go after it. It's always upper body, lower body. But when you looked at the list of things that Tampa Bay was dealing with, guys playing with separated shoulders, broken fingers, broken ankle. Hockey players uh, are different, man. Torn meniscus, dislocated shoulder, separated shoulder. I think there were 13 Tampa Bay Lightning players that were playing with significant injuries that, I mean, no offense to the rest of the sports, every one of those injuries would have been an injured Mm -hmm. injured list or IOR in any other sport. I mean, they're just – and for Tampa Bay to play 82 games and then another 25, 26 games three years in a row – 
And I know COVID adjusted some of their schedules, but to get through what everybody's gone through these last couple of years, playing in a bubble one year and, and doing all that stuff and just grind it out. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, look, hockey season just got over and camp is in two months. Right. I mean, it's, it's an unbelievable sport. It is. And the I don't grind think, is I real. don't think what, what those hockey players go through gets enough credit. So kudos to Tampa Bay and, yeah, Colorado just – I mean, they lost four games. That's insane. Think 16 and four yeah, 16 in and the four. playoffs. I mean, to put that in perspective, when the Penguins won the Cup, I think they were 16 and 13. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are uh, – no, not 13. Uh, no. There's 28 games. I forget what it was. But, I mean, they played two short – I think two less mm-hmm. than the maximum uh, every round. And, uh, I mean, it's just – it's unbelievable what they did. So, congratulations to all of them. It was a great final. Numbers are through the roof. Mm-hmm. Yep. People are watching hockey like never before. I, a lot of that has to do with what channels they're on now. Right. You know, oh, that certainly on, helps. Yeah. They're not on they're NBC not buried. Sports. Uh, yeah, NBC. That. Think about that. Last year, three Stanley Cup final games, three, were on NBC Sports Network. Yeah. Which is, now they're on ABC. Which is not available in hotels. Right. It's mm-hmm. not available in most sports bars. So, you know, you have somebody like Michael here. When he goes to a hotel or he goes to, you know, if he's, if he's in a hotel or he's on vacation or he's mm-hmm. in a bar and he's sitting down, if, if the bar, if the place can't get it on, the casual fan's not going to go, hey. No, I, I watched part of Game 6. Yeah, yeah it was on. Right, he yeah. turned it on. Oh, okay, I'll leave this yeah, on right, for a while. Right, I, yeah. I don't even watch hockey. So, yeah, some of the ratings were due to somebody like me who doesn't even watch hockey mm-hmm. because it's on – primetime stations that everybody knows. Mm-hmm. So the numbers were through the roof, so that's great. Hopefully the flat cap, which has been going on in hockey now because of revenue, because of the mm-hmm. pandemic, um, hopefully this will help boost those numbers. I think it will. Start, I think next year you'll see, you'll you'll start, start to seeing, see the impact. Start yeah. seeing it mm-hmm. start to move. But to get to the Penguins, yeah, we're, if you're a Penguins fan, you want to start, you, you've, everybody's been sort of quiet for about a month now, and, mm-hmm. and but this is the time. The, the draft is in two weeks. Um, once the draft starts, that's usually a cluster of it's setting up because the draft comes a week before free agency starts. I, I just have to interject real quick. This is hilarious. So I find you know what we're doing here. We're Tommy Son Jake, special guest here today with us in the room. We're putting them to sleep. <laughs> we probably do that to a lot of our listeners. They probably put so them right before, before they go bed. to bed. Maybe, yeah. Well, anyway, we can help. We'll help. So there, I saw. I mean, I, I, it's hilarious. Jake, you got anything He's, to say? Jake, he just, he, I, just I, I'm watching him over there. I could see his eyes getting real heavy, and then boom. It's a rough life. Say hi. Say hi. Jake's the man. Jake's hi. my WWE buddy. Say hi. Hi. Say a little louder. Talk. Hi. Say there hi he is. Your, say hi to your godfather. Say hi, Sean. Hi, Sean. <laughs> nice. All right. Um, but anyway, to get back to our point. Um, so yeah, the Penguins news is going to be starting. Brian Burke's making the media tour right now. Um, you know, he made a ridiculous comment today that his number one priority was signing Brian Rust. It wasn't. It just happened to be the guy they signed first. If it was the priority, then he probably should have been – they should probably be fired immediately. Right, yeah. um, it's obvious that Latang and Malkin are the two dominoes that they need to sign. Uh, doesn't sound out, like they're going to. No, it sounds – what I thought was going to happen is that the Penguins have a number. The, the Malkin and, and, and Latang camp have a different number. Mm-hmm. Um, and Latang is a mercenary. Latang's right. not. He's all. He, he's thankful for what right. he's done. But I mean, let's face it. Latang arguably has been underpaid his last. Oh contract. yeah, absolutely. And he's starting. This is years, his last contract. He wants to make the money. Yeah, yeah. I don't begrudge him. Absolutely. No, absolutely not. If the Penguins are offering, let's just throw out some numbers. If the Penguins are offering three years at, at eight million dollars, that's twenty or eight million. Mm-hmm. That's twenty-four million dollars. I guarantee you. 
Well, Tommy, I think you're spot on. I think that's what's exactly happened. I think they're giving him a three-year term. Yes, because they want to. They want to pair him wants up. Five. They want to pair him up. For those that don't know, Crosby has three years left on his contract. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of you know symbolism here. Let's patch him up and let's get mm-hmm. Malcolm Latang and Crosby to the end potentially together. Even though I think Sid's going to play a lot more than three more years, but let's just say Latang gets offered three and eight from the Penguins. That's twenty-four million. When he gets the free agency, my prediction is it's going to be five five years, nine million dollars a year. I really think he's going mm-hmm. to get that. That's forty five million dollars. I mean, well, listen, I don't care how much I love the city of Pittsburgh right. or I love the Penguins. Yeah, you're leaving 20, seventeen million right. on the table. Yeah, that's twenty. Yeah. That's, that's twenty one right. million. Now, yeah, twenty two million. Twenty one million. Cold hard cash on the table. I, I'm sorry, I'm not doing right. that. Yeah, and and the reality of it is, if you're going to get five and nine uh, from the from from out there, and you're going to get three and eight here. Hey, you put your 16 years in here. Mm-hmm. You paid your dues. You got your you got your Stanley Cup. Me personally, that's the route I'm hoping that they go because I think that as an organization, they need freshened up. Um, I think they need to get some pieces underneath the Crosby line. Um, one scenario that my dad, who I know listens to this, brought up to me that I hadn't thought about before that's kind of interesting is what about I ask you, Mark? What do you think? What if they were – I think what they're going to do is they're going to try to sign Latang, and if they don't, I think they may come back to Malkin and go, okay, maybe we can mm-hmm. work something out to get – I don't discount that. I think that, one of these that's a very real like, possibility, yes. My guy that I think that I, was one of the guys I wanted to sign was Trocek, and not mm-hmm. just because he's from Pittsburgh, but because I think he's the right guy. Well, he fits. He fits Sully's system well. He fits well. the system, and he fits – you know, we're not collecting hockey cards here. We're, right. we're This isn't a fantasy team. We're trying to fit the pieces, and he's the right piece behind that. But – what if they brought Malkin back and signed Trocek and moved Carter to wing to take a little bit off of mm-hmm. him to potentially, you know, he's going to be 38. You know, maybe you pair him up on one of those wings so he's not taking a defense. Yeah, so Trocek now becomes your, your, your third, third line, line center for now. For now, right. And then yeah. if Crosby or Malkin miss time, which they almost right. always do, he's your number two with one of those guys That's being your thought. one. Yeah. And, and if you don't sign Latang. And you do you trade some of the defense we talked about. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the salary cap is well, not going to be an option. Well, that's the thing, right? And I think that's the big issue. If you don't re-sign Latang, regardless of what you feel about Chris Latang, and he's infuriating at times, he's a number one defenseman. Yeah. And if you don't sign him, there's not another Latang out there. Everybody says Klingberg. Klingberg's a nice player. Klingberg, but there's a, there's a drop between right. Latang and well, Klingberg. Kling, the difference between and that, Klingberg may make get the same amount on the other market. But, well, that difference is, is he's 28 and doesn't have a he doesn't right. have health problems like Latang yeah. does. I mean, let's not forget as great as Chris Latang is, he's still playing with a hole in his heart. You know, I mean, yeah. he had a stroke. So you know, at 35 as opposed to a 28 year old. Um, but Klingberg, the the difference is that Klingberg will help you dramatically on the power play. I hate Chris Latang. Yeah, he's terrible. Play. He's not a power play no. guy. He's not the guy that is setting up and quarterbacking mm-hmm. the, the thing. Klingberg will do that, but he's a but he's not the defensive player mm-hmm. that Latang is. A lot of people in this town can't stand the way Latang right. plays right. defense right. too. So you know it's give and take with everything. Um, but I like the concept of if you don't sign Latang, then to me I would look at bringing in. I would look at leaning more heavily towards loading up on the offensive right. side. And getting a defensive core, right. not a star, a, a group of six, eight, six or seven, eight guys on defense to play the system the right way and match things up. If you're going to keep Dumlin on the left side, who's a, a defensive stalwart on the left side, then pair him up with an offensive mm-hmm. guy on the right. If you're going to keep Matheson on the left, 
give him a guy on the right that's going to be a defensive play. Stop I put Friedman with to me. It's a no brainer now. I've th- I've been thinking about it. Right, Friedman I think has acquitted himself very nicely. He's got a little edge to his game. He's very solid defensively. He very rarely make mis- makes mistakes. He's not an offensive defenseman. So you're right. I'd pair Friedman. And he played well in the playoffs last year too. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you you can't pair Friedman up on a top four. He's not a top four defenseman. He can't play those kind of minutes. I don't think. I think to me, you if you if you could talk me into having Friedman or Ruedel be your sixth mm-hmm. and the other one be your seventh, I'd be okay with. Ideally, I'd like them to be your seventh and eighth mm-hmm. guys for depth. Um, but yeah, Friedman's the kind of guy you can mix and match mm-hmm. in there and stuff like yeah. that. But he can't be. He's not. I don't think he's big enough. I don't think he's. He's not what you're looking for. To be a top four. Well, it's going to be fascinating. Just they're going to trade one of these defensemen at a minimum. Well, and there's going to be that's the thing. There's going to be trades. There's going to be signings. There's going to be trades where we acquire pieces in. Mm -hmm. I think, and it's all going to start next week at the draft. I mean, that's that's where the NHL season starts, and and a lot of wheeling dealing because everybody's together. They're all going to be in Montreal next week. All the GMs, all the scouts, they're all there, and and it's an easy conversation right on the floor of the draft. I mean, how many times have we seen that as Penguin fans, right? Deals consummated right on the floor of the draft. I will say this one more time, and, you know, a lot of people talk about Flurry coming back here to be a partner with Jari. I still think there's this distinct possibility, especially if if Malkin and Latang leave and they don't somebody they sign somebody like a Trocek that's a Pittsburgh kid, I still wouldn't be surprised, and if I were them, I'd look seriously into it, to trading Tristan Jari. He has one year left. On his contract, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent in a year. First of all, he has to be willing to sign here, which I don't know that he will or won't. Um, but he's going to want real money to be a number one guy. Um, and you, if your if your window is three years for Crosby, then you're looking for three years. And I think Flurry can still be a, 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 at least on par with Jari for the next three years. You have only prospect depth you have in the organization right. is goaltenders. Mm-hmm. You have four legitimate prospects in the goaltending coming up through the system. Um, trading Jari, plugging Florian to help sell tickets, because let's face it, FSB or FSG mm-hmm. just played nine, $900 million for this team. They're going to want a full arena. And if you get rid of Malkin and Latang and you don't have a home, a home body like Trocek or somebody, you're going to need more than five years of straight losing mm-hmm. and Crosby to sell tickets. Flurry would be away, and I'm telling you, you could get a package for Jari and start filling in some of these holes that we talked about uh, with pieces of things like that. And I think you could get Flurry for a nice deal. I don't think he's going to be looking to break it right. I agree. So but as you as we get closer to this and you hear the Flurry talk, keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Yeah. Well, when we reconvene in two weeks, we were talking about this stuff before we we started recording here. Uh, there's going to be some major penguin news. Yeah, I think that so. we that we're going to be discussing. There's no doubt about it. I, I think the, the activity is going to start, um, and it's going to be fast and furious because they they do. They have a lot of holes. They have, they're going to be making a ton of moves. Well, and I think the, the dominoes. I think I think they have two piles of dominoes. They have they have the Latang and Malkin pile, mm-hmm. and they have the non Latang and Malkin pile. And once the decisions are made on what they're going to do with Latang, really, but also Malkin to an extent. Um, you're going to see stuff happen real fast. Yeah. That's what I think. Well, in the meantime, we have the Pirates. Oh, boy. And, there, you know, we had some optimism in previous podcasts. The younger guys were coming up. You, you see flashes with the younger guys. They're exciting to watch. They provide hope. I think the key word is hope. But, boy, oh, boy, are they frustrating. 
holy hell. I, I mean, how many times when you and I text during a game, the latest one being Diego Castillo not being able to apply a freaking tag after a beautiful throw by Tyler Heineman at second base that ultimately cost him a game. Well, how many years have we sat here and pondered the table saying we want young guys up here? Well, they're here. You see flashes. O'Neill Cruz hits a, a two-iron home run the other night. It looked like it was going to hit the wall and it just kept carrying him. Uh, you've seen him throw a ball from shortstop to first base, 97 miles an hour. Then last night, you see him strike out three times. This team's striking out at an alarming rate, and everybody's saying, well, why? Well, why is because you've got four and five rookies in your line. Most teams have one rookie, right? we got four and five sometimes. And then sometimes we got a rookie pitcher or rookie reliever coming in. This stretch of the last six games against Tampa and Washington, we went one and five. We won today's game. Mm-hmm. And they had by Brian Reynolds, by the way. Oh, we great game by Brian continues Reynolds. Continues his hot June. But, we, you know, you, your glass is either half empty or half full. With most Pirate fans, mm-hmm. it's half empty all the time. Right. They're doing this wrong. They're doing this wrong. you got to take your wins where you get them. They had the lead or were tied in the seventh inning of all six games. So they could have went easily 6-0. and Young players can't figure out how to win close games. They just can't figure out how to win close games. And this is the learning curve. This is what we're going through. Now, in the next couple of weeks, Tommy mentioned, I don't know how many podcasts ago, and I, I was kind of defiant with it, but the veteran guys are coming back here in the next couple of days, mm-hmm. right? You're going to have Gamble coming back at least, and, and Newman, the first right. two, and then mm-hmm. to Shogo. I hope to God he does Well, he's back. coming back, and whether you want him to or not, he's coming back. I think you, you sprinkle these these rookies all got their feet wet, right? Mm-hmm. We sent Cal Mitchell back. They're probably going to send Bly Madris back, and they're probably going to send. I, I think Castillo just, right. you know, yeah. I know he has the nine homers. He's hitting one ninety six. He's made a bunch of gaffes mm-hmm. defensively at both positions, shortstop and second base. You're going to see these veteran guys coming back, getting healthy, and then. When we get to the trade deadline in the beginning of August, I think they pushed it to August. Right. Then you're going to start seeing the young guys come, come back, back once right. we make some deals and get some some mm-hmm. assets in return. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sort of in the same boat. I mean, the the Pirates, what they've done for me is is that they've piqued my interest. So I'm I'm, a, I'm mm-hmm. at least making an effort. Right. To We're try all watching to, to try to watch yeah, them right. again. But my frustration is that. I don't know, and we've talked about this several times, and I'm not so much the, the players that are in the lineup anymore, but I don't understand the lineups and the matchups and, and what the hell they're doing as far as they're, they're giving these guys almost no chance to succeed. Uh, let's start with O'Neill Cruz because he's the big guy. Um, he's batted first, third, and sixth in the lineup, and he's batted first and third against left-handers. Uh, he struck well, out. maybe they have a punch card for the line yeah. lineup too. You gotta, so if you, you got to go one through nine, one through nine, you get your free sub. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, you know, it was last night. He struck out three times in the three hole, but he's batting the third against Patrick Corbin, who who has not been great this year, but he's a veteran mm-hmm. left-handed pitcher who used to be good, and you're, you're moving him up to play third now or bat third. Now today you're facing a soft toss and right-hander, and he's back down batting sixth. Uh, you know, Josh Van Meter is playing against lefties. The softball player is playing against lefties. I mean, well, the problem is, is that's all they have is lefties. Yeah, so, yeah, Swinsky's playing against lefties, and, and Cal Mitchell. I mean, the problem is, is that this lineup is so tilted one direction mm-hmm. here that I just don't think you're giving you're giving 
You're making Chavis play every day against right-handed pitching, which he hasn't proven he's been able to hit. And I think now it's affected his left-handed hitting. Well, you're, 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 you're setting the guys up for failure. Yeah. You want to put them in the best position to succeed, not these to fail. These young guys, right. you know, when you bring these young guys up to the majors, no matter how super talented they are, whether you're O'Neill Cruz, where you're uber talented, or you're Hoy Park, where you don't even know, he doesn't even look like he knows where he is half the time. It, these it's still the major leagues for the first time. You want to give these guys the opportunity to succeed, and you want to take the mental aspect out of it as much as you can, so they can just show up and play with their God-given ability. And these, yeah. the way that they're doing things, bouncing guys around in the lineup, bouncing guys around defensively. Yeah, Castillo <laughs> in right field again last night. That play, and you know, oh, he, he pulled out. You know, he makes one play, which I don't think he caught that ball and diving in the play. But he makes it. Right. Another play, he slides, which a normal right fielder camps under. And then he misses the ball in the bottom of the eighth inning. Uh, you know, well, that, again, a and, normal right fielder. And whose has. responsibility is that? And we've talked about this a little bit. But I think there's going to be more conversations and more chatter. Derek Shelton is not the guy. No, he's a placeholder. He's, he's a, a placeholder. Yeah, he's right, going to be a placeholder. He's not going to be but a guy. He's John Russell. And I don't right? know. He's John and, Russell and before Clint Hurley. That's why I'm very careful to bash Shelton because – I don't know that it's Shelton pulling the strings. I know when Huntington was the GM, a lot of the lineups were written by Huntington, or this was a group decision. Well, he's he's deciding you're bringing Anthony Bonda in the seventh inning yeah. of a close game. That, that, I mean, yeah, the pitching is the pitching I mean, beside that. that. The, thankfully, they released that jabroni. But 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 the lineups and things like that. I don't know if that's a, if that's Charrington or if that's the you know all the. You know they have. 50, it might be the whole brain. They truck. have fifty-two people now. Right. But it used to just be the manager would write the lineup back in the day, which I know it's like right. we're the old guys. But um, you know, yeah, I don't think anybody but Jim Leland made his lineup. Yeah, so you know, I don't know who to blame for this, but I just don't. You're, you're giving these young guys too much. There, there's too much on their plate. Let them let them come up. Tell O'Neill Cruz, hey, you're going to come up. You're going to play shortstop. This is where you're going to bat sixth yeah, every yeah. day. Just go play. Yeah, just go get, well, get yourself. Don't worry about chance. anything else. Yeah, you can't. Just go you play. can't have a guy like that bat lead off against a left hander or a third bat third against left. It's just not fair. I think they, there's no there's no real continuity right now, mm-hmm. right? Because w- the problem we're having is we had injuries and we're just bringing rookie Libor Peguero came right. up last mm-hmm. weekend and got his first base hit. Then they sent him down. I mean, we've we I think we've had. Eleven guys make their major league debut already, or eleven or twelve. Said, I think they just said on the broadcast last night that they set a record that they've had fifty-three players on their roster before the All Star break. I think that's some kind of. That's. Record. I mean, there's no continuity there. There's that's guys, two teams. You have yeah. two rosters. Right. You yeah. know, you go into the dugout, you clean out your locker, you go to a triple A or double A, then another guy comes up and he passes you in the hallway. At some point, it will start to settle down. Right now, it, the frustrating part, Tommy said it. It's you want to watch the young guys play. But not nine of them at once. We're going to talk more about that in our fact or fiction. I have a couple good fact or fiction questions for you both. For now, let's transition and talk about down on the farm. Yeah, so we're talking about the young the players, young yeah, players. This is, uh, let's talk more young players with what we have down on the farm. This, this is uh, Jeff Burke's brainchild. Mm-hmm. We did pitching three weeks ago. Right. And uh, so we're going to go over the, the hitters at each level of our organization. And first, I want to start out with just some guys that are kind of on the uh, peripheral. Nobody knows about. Well, no, they know about them, but they're not in our top thirty, or they're not even in low A all the way to triple A. Um, Shailene Polanco was one of our mm-hmm. big international yeah, signings. Um, he's playing in uh, the Florida Gulf Coast League. He's only eighteen years old. Um, he's struggling a little bit. You've got Bubba Chandler, who's fascinating. Mm-hmm. I looked up his stats today. 
Um, he's seven for 24 hitting with two homers, and he's pitched eight innings. He struck out 13. He walked eight and has given up three hits. So he's not sure where the hell the ball's going half the time, but obviously the velocity's there if he struck out 13. He hasn't given up a run yet. Um, and then another guy I, that we, we talked about, Braylon Bishop, last mm-hmm. year. I don't know how we signed him. He was a 14th round 14th pick. I was round, like, yeah. I don't know how they're going to see this guy. had a big commit. I don't mm-hmm. know if it was Ole Miss or Ole, one, it was one, of, Miss. one of the, mm-hmm. the SEC schools. Um, he's, he's playing in the Gulf Coast League. And then Lonnie White, he has a UCLA, uh, UCLA, UCL sprain. And I don't even know if he's going to play this year. So those are the guys. We've talked about the pitching. The pitching's a little thinner than the hitting. But again, at the lower levels, we're starting to see the guys are getting so much closer to the major league level because we don't have anybody at, at, at Bradenton. We got mm-hmm. Rodolfo Nolasco, the, the number 22 prospect on mm-hmm. MLB uh, Pipeline's top 30. He's only hitting 210. He's 20 years old. Um, you know, at Greensboro, we got Hudson Head, who was part of the deal. Did, yes, really? he's starting to worry me now. He's still hitting 210. I don't 210. think this kid has it. How old is he now? He's 21, and he's, 21 at, and he's and at high, he's at high age. Where, where, that's where he should be. That's right. about where he should be. But the problem is he hasn't, mastered, he hasn't mastered this level. This right. is his second year at that level. And then the, the really good player at, at Greensboro is Andy Rodriguez, the catcher we yeah, got. Yeah, but even with him, right, I just want to throw this out. Even with him, I don't think he's having the kind of season that the Pirates, I'm sure, I'd hope for. And as any fan, I mean – same thing. This is his second year at high A. So you would expect this guy at this point to have figured things out at that level. Well, to be honest. And he's not. He might be a double A if it wasn't for – if it wasn't for. Uh, yeah, there's a log jam. With yeah, Henry there is. But there. that shows you who they think is better. Well, but you've got to remember – You've got to take the catcher position and move it away from everybody else. Well, and they're he's, he's going to be utility. I mean, they're even saying now he's more of a utility guy. He's he not even a full-time catcher. Yeah. He's an athlete. He's yeah. only hitting 257 at Greensboro. I mean, he does have seven homers and 31 yeah, RBIs. You'd like to see a little more. Yeah, you would. Me. And he had a good start to the season, mm-hmm. and then he had that lull. So we're, well, that's where. But yeah. everybody's at double. At the, every, Let's yeah. talk about Altoona. Yeah. Um, Lots Matt, of talent there. Matt Gorski, who was a he was a mm-hmm. third round pick out, out of, of Indiana. College, yep. Out of Indiana. Um, he has 23 homers and 58 RBIs between. Greensboro mm-hmm. and Altoona, but he's hitting 292. He has 17 stolen bases, and I heard he's a plus defender in the outfield playing center field. Uh, so and he's a right-handed bat. Which whoa, imagine that! Oh, whoa. Who would have thought that? You got Blake Sable, who's another one that's mm-hmm. not quite a catcher, right? right. He, he played he went, outfield for he, yeah. He went to USC, and mm-hmm. one little nugget on him: he's actually cousins with Troy Palomola. Mm-hmm. Um, his mother. So he's Samoa, got some pedigree there. His that's for Samoa, sure. Um, he's he's having a decent year. He's hitting 262. Connor Scott was part of that deal for Jacob Jake, Stallings. Mm-hmm. The problem with Scott is he plays a corner outfield position. He has one homer. Yeah. Last year he hit five. If you're going to play a corner outfield, we already got a third baseman that can't <laughs> hit the ball out of the infield. We don't need another corner outfielder that can't right. hit the ball out of the infield. Jared Trillo, number 18 prospect. He's having a solid year, 266 with 12 stolen bases. Matt Frazier is the guy that went backwards. He was our minor league hitter of the year. He's hitting 215. He has 67 strikeouts and only four homers. Um, you know, Lebor Paguero is going to be he's the, the guy at some point. He's going to be. He's the shortstop. He's going to be the shortstop. I think. I mean, Cruz is not going to be. Cruz is not a shortstop. I don't yeah. care what anybody It's going to be Paguero. It's going to be Paguero. He's having the 285 season. He got his feet wet mm-hmm. in the majors last weekend in the one game. Henry Davis has <laughs> immense power. 
Now, this cat got to learn to stay out of the way of the friggin' pitches. He's been hit by pitches 16 times in 38 games. That's how the hand was was injured. Mm-hmm. He, They say he won't move. If you're my number one pick in the draft, I'm going to teach you how to move out of the way of a pitch. You can't just stand there and keep Well, you know what I'm going to do with him? I'm going to do like they did with Roger Dorn in Major League. You're going to do that? You're going to learn to get the hell out of the way. Yeah, yeah. And then Nick Gonzalez, he has the uh, stress that, fracture of the heel or whatever it is. He's in a walking boot. He's the most disappointing for me this year. Yeah, he, it's almost it's going to be another lost year for him. Another another injury riddled season. It's the he's got the plantar fasciitis. He, They're saying August at the earliest. Yeah. Let's face it, we're yeah. probably not going to see him. He missed the year because of COVID right. because yeah. he was drafted, didn't play that year. Last year was a weird year. They were playing the you know the short. And he's schedule. no young buck. He's twenty three. He's twenty three years old. And that, he's going to be back at Double A next year as a 24-year-old. But at some point, you're going to see probably all these guys in the majors next year at some point. Now, where they where they pick up next year, Matt Frazier needs mm-hmm. to start picking it up this year and then, you know, pick up where he was last year. Triple A, we've already seen a lot of these guys. Cal Mitchell, Cannon Smith, Naigba, the poor guy broke poor his guy wrist. Poor guy got hurt, yeah. Um, the guy I'm big on is uh, G. Winbai. Uh, 316, seven homers. I'm pretty sure he's on steroids. Pretty sure. Um, because his first three professional years, he couldn't hit the ball out of the infield. He has seven homers and he has 19 stolen bases. He leads all our, mm. all our levels in stolen bases. And the batting average is high and he very rarely strikes out, you know, so. We'll be seeing him soon. We've seen Swaggerty for, yeah. you know, he had a cup of coffee and he's hitting 277. He's, he's treading water and I think there's a chance he can be in the outfield at some point next year. Cruz is already here. And I want to ask you guys, and, and, and I'm going to play, you know me, my glass is always half full with the Pirates. Yes. But O'Neill Cruz reminds me of Gregory Plonka. Oh, boy. Tom? No. I mean, well, I, I understand where you're coming from, but from an athletic standpoint, I mean, Polanco looked like a baby deer that just got his legs walking across an ice rink. I mean, he just always looked uncoordinated, uncomfortable. He always looked like a guy that every day his body was new to him. Like he didn't like, like, oh, look at this. Look at my arms today. Oh, look at my legs today. I mean, when you look at Cruz, he looks like an athlete. Mm-hmm. I mean, he looks like he could go well, he can fly. over I mean, to the south yeah. side and play, yeah. you know, tight end. Or I'm talking more about the swing. The swing is yeah. long. Mm-hmm. He's tall. He has trouble getting the breaking balls, and he has trouble recognizing strikes. One thing now, I, I know it's a small sample. Though. One thing I noticed with Cruz is he keeps his hands a little lower than Polanco. And Polanco had that big wind-up in his swing where he kept the bat back wrapped around his head a little bit, and he was coming a long way. Yeah, big Whereas Cruz yep. is keeping his hands more even with his body, down a little lower, and it's a little bit more – It's more compact. He more, doesn't have that huge loop. It's more of a compact swing. Yeah. I don't think it's as loopy yeah. as Polanco's. But, God, don't, don't say, I, don't say just, those two names. Just, just watching him last night, I kind of it just popped into my head. I didn't want it to. You know, when you try not to think about Freddy Krueger yep. and Nightmare on Elm Street. Right, yeah. I didn't want to think about Polanco. But when I seen those three strikeouts, I went, mm, I've seen this swing before. Yeah. And I'm not saying, I know it's much, my, my God, 40-something. No, I, and I think that's fair. I mean, listen, we're all always going to go back to Polanco because there was so much promise with Polanco. And, and the you've athletic, seen flashes. You did. You, always, they, you know, every year he'd show a couple flashes and tease you, right, with what possibly could be with him. Um, I think Cruz... He's got the better arm. 
I mean, obviously set the record, 97 mile an hour throw across the infield. That's ridiculous. But sometimes he doesn't know where it's going. Like right. the other night, he oh, tripped yeah. over his feet right. and almost yeah. took Chavis' freaking no, head I, off. I think there's legitimate cause for concern with him. I don't think he's a slam dunk, can't miss guy for sure. Um, but I think the possibility for consistency, right, which is Polanco never was able to hit that consistent level. I think it, well, it's, pre pre that buffoon slide he had oh in the second, God, yeah. where he dislocated every bone in his body yeah. on that slide. He was pretty consistent to that point, but that's what I'm not. I'm not talking post right buffoon slide. I'm talking pre buffoon yeah, slide. Yeah, Polanco was a pretty solid player. That's that's the player I see with with O'Neill Cruz, where people were saying, you know, they should sign him to the 11 year 182 no, million no, dollar. No, He's Easy. not even in the same stratosphere as a hitter is Wander Franco. No. no, what I will say this, though, is I think Cruz, more than any prospect I've seen for the Pirates in a while, is definitely boom or bust. Yeah. I don't think there's going to be a middle ground for him. I think he's either going to be I think that's a very stud fair. that hits 35 home runs, 30, 35 home runs, and Steals does 30 stuff bases. all the time. Yeah. You're like, oh, my God, you, you have to watch him. Or, he, he, you know, he could be out of baseball in five years. I mean, I, I, I think it's, yeah, I, I think you're right. I really don't think yep. that there's any middle ground. There. I think you're right. And before we wrap up this segment, I, I want to make a point to Mark on one last down on the farm mm-hmm. prospect. Your buddy Mason Martin. And I was yeah. almost going to drink the Kool-Aid. That's how I was drinking I, the Kool-Aid now, with I, this kid. Well, we, I, you almost had me drinking yeah. the Kool-Aid because he had Shogo, that spell. He to, had that spell. To, to show goes so bad. That I wanted Mason yeah. Martin here no we matter how bad he was batting. Yeah. He's hitting. Wait a minute. What's he down to? Yeah. I haven't looked. He's hitting 202. Ooh. He was down from one point. He was at 270 at one point. 202. He has 243 at bats. He has 102 strikeouts. Ooh. Yeah. He, he's That's over 40% yeah. of the time. He he's done. No clue what's going on at the plate. Not. No, now, it's when over he, for him. When he When he swings and makes contact, he does have 12 homers, but 202 with 101 strikeouts yeah. and 243 at bats. I just wanted to make that point, and then we can move to the next. No, I, I appreciate you bringing. It. I mean, yeah. I was high on him early on. Well, you all, I was that close to drinking yeah. that Kool Aid. Well, and, and rightfully so. I think he he got off to a decent start for him, and he was crushing the ball, and he hit for a little bit of average. He was still striking out a ton. Yeah, the, the swing and miss with him is never going to go away. Yeah, but the extra base hits were there. He, the doubles uh, and the homers, but then and, that's gone. Yeah, it's gone. Yeah. Remind me, is he left-handed or he's left? He's, he's left-handed. left-handed. So what I will say to your point, then Michael, to follow up on that is. I, I know Van Meter is playing some at first base, even though he never played first base until this year. And Sasugo's coming. Mm-hmm. He's going to be there. But to, to go back a, a point where we were, all these veterans that are coming, I have no problem with them coming up and sending guys down to the minors until the deadline. The day after the deadline, if you haven't traded these guys, I DFA them all and bring the kids back up. Yeah, yeah. And I still think there's a potential for Martin to be the left-handed compliment to Chavis at first base. So if you if you bring Martin up here and his only role again just like you know just like from the out if you're looking at say Jackson Winsky's numbers from the outside mm-hmm. you're looking at his numbers two oh two he's batting in the, right. in the majors but how many of those bats are left handed because he's got nobody right. he's putting in a, he's putting I, in a I, position yeah, to right. not succeed mm-hmm. I still would rather have Martin here getting but right handed pitching against him in a platoon. Every every time there's an opportunity, as opposed to Van Meter and Satsuga, who have no hope right. yeah. of being here when it, when it and I, I agree with the Shogo and, and and Van Meter. The, the problem I have, like Zawinski came up, 
he was hitting over 300. Like he, he mastered what was going on at double A. This guy is having trouble figuring out what the hell triple A pitchers are doing. And mostly triple A pitchers are guys that couldn't make, make it in the majors right. or just journeymen. Yeah. There are very a, few real Triple A is no longer what it once was. And that's what's alarming to me is the, the, the amount of strikeouts and the low batting average. He comes up here facing good pitching. Mm-hmm. He's going to be really overmatched. So, I mean, only time will tell. You're right. But how much difference is there between Martin and Toshogo and Van Meter? You're right. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the Pyres for this week. A lot of ground covered. Michael, let's talk about the NBA real quick. Just like the NHL, uh, Gold State Warriors are your NBA champs. What can you say? I mean, unbelievable. I mean, they go from being last place. And, of course, now everybody's healthy. Clay's champs, back. Last place. Champs. champs. How yeah. many times that well, happened with the same It's court? crazy. As Tommy said about hockey, right, with Tampa Bay going to three straight mm-hmm. Stanley Cup finals, Golden State, four and eight years in, in an era where players, they change teams like you change underwear. Like, I mean, right. every day there's guys going somewhere else. Their core It's really together. hard to keep up in the NBA, by the way, in the offseason. These like, guys move. It's insane. And what, what I said to you before, everybody likes – Steph Curry, listen, he won the MVP mm-hmm. of the finals again. Um, greatest shooter that ever lived. But people don't talk enough about Steve Kerr as a coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, Steve Kerr can really coach. And bringing in Andrew Wiggins. Everybody wants yep. to talk about Curry and Clay Thompson coming off two Andrew years. Wiggins was huge. Huge wasn't even the word for it. Listen – Andrew Wiggins shut Jason Tatum down that entire series. Tatum was 6 of 18 in game six, and Wiggins was the reason that mm-hmm. Golden State won that NBA Finals this year. I, 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 you can talk. I know Curry had the, the points, and you see all the peripherals. This guy had four blocks and four steals in game six and held one of the top ten And scorers. rebounds galore. I mean, that's the yes. other thing. I mean, and he was rebounding huge, at the small forward yeah. position. And, you know, this series was about, and I talked about it, and we're, we're, we'll move on from it, but Boston, I said, needed to get to the foul line. Game six, they got there 12 times. I said Boston needed to win the turnover battle. They go in a game six in a do-or-die situation, they turn the ball over 22 times. That's a recipe for disaster. Kudos to Golden State. I mean, four and eight years with the with the core players that they had. Even though Draymond Green's like the guy in the boy band that he thinks they're cheering for him when they're really cheering for Clay and, and Steph Curry, he gets on my nerves. But the, the core guys have stayed there, and they put the pieces around them. And you know, kudos to that organization. That's uh, that's hard to do in a, in a, any kind of salary cap era. And they've already moved on. They've already had their draft. And surprise, right at the top of the draft, I'm sitting there watching. I think everybody except ex- expected. Uh, Jabari Smith or uh, Chet Holmgren to go number one. Orlando throws the curveball right out of the gate with Paulo Boncaro from Duke. Well, we knew the top three. The, right, the, the we top, didn't know what right. the order was. I like Boncaro better than I, like I the love Boncaro. Yeah, he has an NBA ready body now. So does Jabari Smith. Chet but, does not. I, I, well, this I, dude. Listen, I, and Chet gets a. You uh, remind you know who he reminds me of? Sorry, real quick. Go ahead. Before I forget this thought, because I'm old. Man. Sean Bradley. I knew you were going to say that. Sean Bradley. I know. He's not Sean Bradley. Um, he's, I, he's worse. Sean no. Bradley actually had a decent N- NBA career. Who, I don't think Chet Holmgren will even have that kind of career. Who, ironically enough, that's my godson's name, Sean Bradley. Sean, there you go. Nice. So that draft, like I like Chet Holmgren. I think right off the bat he's going to be a rim protector. This guy can really play defense, and he can shoot threes. I know we, They said the same thing about Giannis. He looked like a stop sign. He was built like a stop sign. The kid's 18 years old and he's seven foot. He's got to get – once he gains was, the weight and the strength. I, I was high on him until the tournament. And he was overmatched in the tournament. 
Right? It was all about Drew Timmy. It, that Gonzaga team was all about Timmy. And Holmgren was an afterthought. The problem with Holmgren in the tournament, and we don't have to get in depth yeah, on this. Sorry, the problem but, with Holmgren in the tournament was he tries to block every shot. As an 18-year-old yeah. kid, he got into foul trouble quite yes. a bit, so he spent a lot of time on the bench. I mean, five fouls in college is way different than it is in the NBA with the six fouls. So I, give this kid some time. He's okay. going to be a player, right. and, and we'll revisit this maybe next this year. time next year, and yeah. I'm going to say I told you so. And I just want to say this as a non-NBA fan. Um, since Michael, mostly at gunpoint, made me watch basketball back in our late 80s. That's a blatant line. And Jordan's – when line. Once Jordan became, you know, who he was. since fun to watch. Since that time, there are two players in the NBA that have made me turn the TV on and I wanted to watch. One being Jordan and the other one being Steph Curry. I mean, I don't know where they rank in, in all the greatness, but Steph Curry, man, what he does on the basketball court is just unbelievable. For, and for as little as he is – it's such a, rel- a relief probably isn't the right word because I don't care enough about the NBA to say that. But, you know, LeBron and, and even Kobe to some point, I mean, they were <coughs> bullies on the court where they were just so physically strong that, you know, they matched up with guys and they just sort of can, could overpower them with LeBron. And But Steph, he just does stuff on a basketball court that you just don't see other players ever do. And that shooting is just... How would you like to have to chase him off a screen? That's what I mean. It's just Or five screens on the same play. The shooting. No, and, Tom, you know, you're the right. The warm-ups before the game that he does. Yeah, and, you know, he's just flicking shots from half court out by the nacho stand and and everything. Like It's just no, unbelievable. You're, you're so, right. I mean, it, as a non-NBA guy, that's my... The, the, in the last 40 years, that's my that's the two that I turn on the well, team. Well, I, I, you know, I've been watching basketball my entire life and, and, and really in-depth. And uh, he's the greatest shooter I've ever seen. So it's like I said, and not just three pointers. No, the he, rainbow, you know, driving yeah, and just throwing yeah. that little rainbow up in the yeah, air yeah. over everybody, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and just everything no. he does is just no. God. Nope, you're right about that. Yeah. Wow. Um, sorry, I, I just saw something on Twitter, guys, that I'm going to bring up in my rant. It's right. unbelievable. But so are anyway. we going to get into fact or fiction? Fact or fiction. All right. Yeah. Before we get into that, yeah. If I may, just uh, I want to talk about. Um, last podcast we did a couple weeks ago, we talked about WPIL players. Yes. Uh, Pittsburgh players. In right. The NFL, Hockey's coming. Yeah. In the NHL. And I, I made the comment that I thought there was more NHL players than NFL players in this recent year. And who I've mentioned race, uh, a couple times in this, my godson, Sean, is an avid listener. And he took it Thanks, upon Sean. himself. Appreciate that. He took it upon himself to review the stats for the last 10 years. And to my shock, um, the numbers are overwhelming for NFL. Um, I think I, I, it's 64 NFL players have played. In, or wow, 60, I never would have guessed that. 64 players from the WPIL have played in the NFL in the last 10 years. And it's 13 in the NHL and 10 in MLB. Um, so I couldn't have been any more wrong in my idiotic statement saying that I thought there was more NHL players than NFL. But what I will say to, to my point, it's something that Michael and I talked about a little bit is, the ten or the thirteen players in NHL, a lot of them are named players. Right, they're they're solid to above average yeah. players. Whereas in the WPL, I mean, I looked at the list of players, and you know, I don't want to say any because I don't want to disrespect anybody, but there's a lot of players on that list that I, I've never heard of, both in WPIL and also in the NFL. So you know, I guess it's you yeah. know, it's how, it's how you break it down. 
Um, but uh, but yes, thank you to Sean for pulling those numbers, and I was shocked. I mean, yeah, and if other people like Sean have, yeah. you know, they, we, they know we're wrong, and they can give us the. Oh, we love when listeners do that. Yeah, we're here to entertain. We're, we're not going to get everything right. Yeah. But, I, I, so if you come across something, let us know. Please. I, never, I would have thought the numbers were close. I never would have right. thought that they. Were I never would have guessed six that. to no. one almost basically. No, because we everybody always tell you how the whip feels down, right? Yeah. When it comes to football, and yeah. it's not what it once was, and. Uh, so, and hockey, on the flip side, hockey's coming up in Western Pennsylvania. And you see the quality of hockey player coming out of it's Western Pennsylvania. It's not the quantity, it's the quality. Yeah. Right, yeah. So, fascinating. So, thank you, Sean. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening and thanks for that nugget. Uh, fact or fiction. This is my favorite thing we do every podcast. I love these. Uh, so, I've been thinking about the Pirates a lot and went back. You know, we've been longtime Pirate fans. And when you go back to when the Pirates were good, Right, early nineties. Twenty the, the three year run they went 14, on in yeah. mid two thousand you know, fifteen, sixteen, thirteen, 13, 13 14, 14, fifteen. It took them a few years prior to that run to start getting competitive. Right? So my fact or fiction for the two of you, it's gonna take three years from now. So twenty twenty five season before the Pirates are back in at least wild card hunt. Three years. Because I think next year they have to take another step. The year after that is when they go over 500. And then in 25 is when they can actually compete to actually win something worth something, worth anything. I, I, you know, I know when you look at, look at it peripherally, the, the record doesn't indicate how close this team's been to winning games this year. These, this, these young kids are, like I was saying earlier, can't figure out how to finish games. And at the MLB level, it's it's dotting your I's and crossing your mm-hmm. T's, right? The little things that wind up. Fundamentals. Fundamentals. I think they're a lot closer. Now, I, next year, I don't think they're going to compete. But I think 2024, I think this team has a chance, especially with the extra wild card. Mm-hmm. I think, I, I so I'm going to say. You're going to say, say fiction. fiction. Yeah, I'm going to say fiction. I think 2024 is going to be the year where, where, they're, where we're in August and we're talking about adding pieces mm-hmm. rather than. Which we're going to talk about in a second in our second factor fiction. I'm going to say fiction too, and I agree with Michael. 24 is the year that I'm looking for. Um, I think they're. I think they've got. You see, start seeing the, the you know the O'Neill Cruises. I think you still still see one or two more of the higher end guys, um, not just the, some of the lower end prospects that we've seen so far. Um, and I think some of them are you know getting some of their learning curve out of the way. I think next year, uh, which Michael talked about earlier. The Davises and the Pagueros and things like that are going to be this time next year talking about coming up like Cruz did and being fixtures and get their learning curve out of the way. Um, and I think 24 will be the year where I really think that that's going to be the year where they're going to be in the in the in their first sort of okay here we go. So I'm going to say fiction. I, I came up with a question, so you know where my head is. I'm saying fact. I'm saying it's going to be 25 before this team is in the hunt for anything meaningful. I think they you know they're they're going to get better. I think next year they're below 500 again. I think 24, they're right around 500. And then 25 is when they they figure it all out and they, they go for it. I'm worried if it's a three-year thing, Mark, then if it's a three-year thing, then the, the prospects we got coming up aren't worth a shit. That's that's the problem. Yeah. So my hope is that Tommy and I, I hear where you're coming from. And, and you're always glass half full. I try to be with the Pirates. I'm sort of glass half empty. The same guy that likes Morrison Mason's telling me that uh, Mason Martin, the same guy that likes. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm very concerned right now 
that we don't have the level of prospect like we saw in 13, 14, 15 come up and make a difference. I, I disagree. Um, I, I don't know if we have a Starling Marte, to be quite honest. I don't think we have, definitely don't have a Kutch in this group. I don't think we do. I hope they prove me wrong. This is where my head is right now on June 29th, 2022. Um, I don't think, unfortunately, we have that. I agree with Tommy and his point at O'Neill Cruz. It's boom or bust. I'm leaning 60-40, bad way. Um, I just see too many things from this guy up here that I don't like. Um, so that I'm leaning towards bust for him. I think Peguero is an average major league shortstop at best. Um, I don't think, I think Nick Gonzalez, I think that's what's leading overall to my entire disgust with the Pirate prospects is I think this kid is done. I don't think he's ever going to be a quality major leaguer. I don't think, I, look, he's been injured. He can't get over the injury bug. I think that's he's going to be a bust. I'm very concerned that they don't have. We don't have a Neil Walker. We don't have a Starling Marte. We definitely don't have a Koch, a future whoa, MVP whoa, in this group. Whoa, whoa. I gotta hear. Listen, I'm. I'm. You, you think I'm we have a future MVP glass, in this group? I'm always glass half. Not even half empty. Who's the three future quarter, MVP? Three quarters of the way empty. But I will say. You know, you're, you're talking, if you're talking McCutcheon, let's just say McCutcheon, yep. Marte, Walker. Right, the big three. Those they came up through three, the system. Those were your Dave three Littlefield guys. People. Right. To me, the Pirates have four. And, Interesting. And I'm listening. And that would be Reynolds, Hayes. No, Reynolds doesn't count. I'm talking about this well, this wave. Well, but Reynolds is going to be there in, in, in well, 24. Okay, so let's go to the next factor. Well, hold on. Okay. Finish, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Reynolds, okay, even if you take Reynolds I don't think out, Reynolds is going to be here. You still have Hayes, Cruz, and Davis. Davis is Hayes be. is a, Hayes is a great defensive third baseman. That's but all. Hayes, he is. But Hayes, but Hayes you, is Walker. You, you mean yeah, exactly. Walker, Walker was a great hitter for oh, three no, years. No, 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 no. Hayes is nowhere no, near no, the hitter near Walker was. Stop, nowhere near. Man. First of all, nowhere Hayes near. Is, Hayes is better. Hayes will never hit twenty homers in the major leagues. Hayes league. is better defensively. I agree. At a nowhere more, near the hitter. More important defensive position. Agree. And Nowhere near the hitter. I you got to agree with me on that. No, I don't. power maybe. Power. That's yes, what not hitter. Neil Walker's a two eighty hitter. No, no. Look up the stats. There's I will. No way. No, no. We'll, we'll we'll go over this. Neil next Walker time. ten times the hitter. Uh, you saying he was a two eighty oh. lifetime hitter? I said when he was with the Pirates. No, look at uh, when he was with the Pirates. Don't look at the last six years of his career when he hung on. Two eighty. Look at his years with the Pirates when he was in his prime. All right. All right. We have no cutch in the system. We have no future MVP. None. We don't have Marte, who listen could have been an MVP. It could have been, yes, exactly. I, I get we it. don't have it. We I, I just think, don't I have think it. Reynolds is the, is comparable. I think he is. I agree I, with that. I, I, but I'm, so let's go to the next factor. Fiction. All right, let's go to that while he's Reynolds will be traded by the uh, the August second, the trade deadline. I say no because the Pirates want to be the Tampa Bay Rays. Mm -hmm. I say it's fiction. I love this. They, listen, they, people, they, they, dial it. Listen, pay attention. Go. The Pirates want to be the Tampa Bay Rays. They just don't have the balls to be the Tampa Bay Rays. Ding, 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 that, ding, ding, ding. That's ding, the that, difference. Yes. Tampa would have unloaded Reynolds. He'd have been gone yep. already, and they had gotten six prospects back that were just as good, if not better, than him. So I think it's fiction. He will be here this year, and I think he'll be here next year, too. Okay. Um, well, I don't know, because – I think a lot of what Reynolds is is that I don't – when I look at Brian Reynolds, and I could be wrong. I don't know Brian Reynolds. But he doesn't strike me as the type of guy that's enjoying playing for Pittsburgh. 
It doesn't seem like he wants to. I, I, I don't know. I think it's his demeanor, though. Yeah, he doesn't that, look like he's that, that, that's that. possible. That's what I mean. And, you know, he signed for this year and next year at reasonable money. Um, I agree with you, Michael, that yeah. you have to figure out where your window is. I mean, he's, he could be a pirate for the next four years without getting into his free agency years. I mean, if you're the Pirates and you think you have a legitimate chance of, of getting to the World Series in the next four years, you keep Reynolds. <laughs> if you don't, you trade him. Um, well, I'm sorry. What was the what was the term of this facts or fiction? This August. This August. Like this oh, trade no, deadline. No, it's, it's fiction. See, for he, me, that's, this is the time to do it, especially saying, coming off this June. I, I, he's, he'll be here. What he's Michael said was the, was the best thing of the past hour, uh, hour and ten minutes. I think he's spot on. I don't think they have the ball. They should. Because he, he, I mean, you, you want to talk about being able to get a haul for somebody? Well, and Jason and Jason Mackey was just on the radio today saying that, um, you know, Reynolds, if you traded a Reynolds, you're looking at their, the team's best pitching prospect, mm-hmm. whoever team you're trading for, and another top 100 prospect yeah. in baseball player. Right. So, I mean, you're talking significant pieces for somebody like him. I've seen ESPN and a couple other players rank that he's the number one position mm-hmm. player that's available for trade. I mean, but I, I just don't think that I don't think the Pirates will do it. I really don't. Yeah, um, I agree. And, and the answer on should they trade him? Yeah, I think they should. I, I think they should. But yeah, they I don't. Won't. They especially won't. Especially given what I just said with you know, the previous factor yeah. fiction. Well, I especially think if you're looking away. at two twenty five. Yeah, I think if you're you looking at twenty four. That's right. a different. That's a different thing. So to go just to answer our Neil Walker question, Neil yeah. Walker's career stats. I don't want career. I want oh, with sure. the Pirates. Hold on. I'm going to give you both. Settle okay. Down. All right. He was a 267 career hitter. Okay. All right. In the years that we're talking about, which was 13, 14, 14, and 15. 15. Yep. 13, he hit 251. Hmm. 14, 271. 15, 269. Okay. How many home runs? Uh, 13. Now you're asking for questions, but I don't have my glasses on. 18. I sure as hell was it 53. What? what no, I gotta that's go. hits. You got to go. Yeah, I see that. This is <laughs> this is one of the weirdest episodes. Yeah, ever. Yes. It doesn't show me. I, this this way he I hit twenty up. once. Yeah, yeah. And Hayes uh, probably hey, won't hit no, twenty. No, but he, he's going to be a, a lifetime batting average will be higher than Walker's, guaranteed. Yeah, guaranteed. I mean, and was, I'll, that's not I'll a take problem. that bet. I'll All take right. that bet. All right. And just to finish that, so the next year for the Mets in 2016, yeah. he had two eighty two, then two sixty four for the Mets. And then uh, his last year of, of significant at bats with the Yankees in 2018, he hit 219. Yeah, that's what uh, he's Miami, he had 300. He had almost the same amount of bats. He had 261. So 267 uh, career. Career. Hit. Okay. So I don't and, know if Hazel hit that. I got to be honest. I we'll think see. Hit that. We'll see. He hits enough cue shots and numbers. Yeah. He, well, Joe slap back hits. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I mean, I think Hayes is going to be a guy that's 10 to 15 homers, hits you 280. And steal some bases and be a Gold Glove third baseman. I mean, that's that's a key part of it of a of a team like that. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. That was a good one. Um, oh, and then the last factor fiction. Then we'll get to our rants and, and we'll close out this week's episode. Uh, the Pirates will go five hundred in the what, eighteen games remaining before the All Star break. Shit, so nine and nine. I guess that, I mean they're it's a tough schedule. They got some. Some weird games in there. Even, even, even the Marlins, and they'll were, probably face in those eighteen games fifteen lefties. That seems to be every game. Yeah, I, I, Miami. It's crazy. Tom said you, you said they play Miami. Miami. Well, I, think I so, guarantee you, we'll games. face Sandy Alcantara mm-hmm. and Trevor Rogers, who's left-handed, and they'll get two hit against him and strike out fifteen times. 
Then they got the Brewers. How many times? I think Twice. it's I think it's seven against the Brewers. Oof. Six. Uh, that's fiction. You don't need to finish it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Good. Seven that's good. fiction. Yeah. Well, you don't, don't forget. Let's hope they on. win five. Because I still haven't gotten. The, it's seven against the Brewers, uh, three against Cincinnati, and two okay. against the Yankees. Yeah. That, no. That's so. Fiction. That's six, seven, that's eight. Twelve of them right there. So yeah, eighteen games. I say they go four and twelve. Four and uh, four, four and fourteen. fourteen. Yeah. Um. They're not going to be 500, so I'll say fiction the 500. But yeah. I, I think they could do, you know, I think they could be eight and ten, something well, like that. Because I, I, I take it. They, they, they seem to play pretty well. They seem to be six and twelve at best. I'm a saying. little better at home. The problem is going to be. I hate to say this, but I think they're going to dumb down their roster by bringing back the veterans. Right. So I mean, you're going to go back to seeing, you know, Newman in the lineup, Satsuga in the lineup, uh, Gamble's going to be back, Moriznak. Van going to be Meter's back. going to stay in. Van Meter, yeah, yeah. 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 Let's get to August. Oh, Christ. All right, Rance, anything you guys want to close up with this week? I'm going to close it up. So, All right. You know, the other day I was going in my closet and I had a, a you know, one of those cardboard boxes that you build and it had a bunch of mm-hmm. stuff in it. I pulled all the stuff out. I had a rolled up poster in there. Okay. And I'm like, what the hell is this thing? I, I, I took it and opened it up. And it was the Kenny Easley Enforcer poster. I was going to say that. I honestly was going to guess that. Kenny, I remember that. Remember that poster? Yes, was I on do. My wall? Listen, we grew up in an era when posters were freaking oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. Tommy had the, the Deion Sanders primetime yeah. one yeah. with the dollar signs on it. And he had that, you know, they had him in his in his uniforms. And then Tommy also had Land, had of, the, the, Land Dave, of the Boss. Land of the Boss. Right. That I had might Dave be the best Parker. poster of all time. I had the Dave Parker when he was up at play, up at the plate. I had a D on one that said he was standing on. I think it was standing on, on on somewhere on Earth, and it said water covers two thirds of the Earth. Dion covers the other covers Go the down. rest. I mean, we had cool posters. Yeah. These kids don't have any of this stuff. When right. I opened that up, the nostalgia that came oh, out of me, awesome. I was like, I, love that. and then I started looking them up the other day. Yeah. Like, what other cool posters? Christian Okoye had the, oh, the, the, the nightmare, nightmare one the with the Freddy Krueger hand yeah, thing. Yeah. Eric Dickerson had the Robo ba- uh, back one with the. They, all the uh, scientists that were right. around oh, him yeah. in the white right. lab coats. Uh, Dan Marino had one that said "Armed and Dangerous." There was a cool sports oh, right. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. coat on. Remember that one? Zuba yeah. pants on. Yeah. Remember those striped uh, yep. Zuba yep. pants? Yep. I mean, Eric Davis had the forty-four Magnum one, mm-hmm. and my favorite of all time. I didn't have it, but the Don Mattingly Hitman one. Oh yeah, he was in the white pinstripe yes. suit with, with the, the gun. Tommy, yeah, gun. Tommy gun. Yep, and he had the leather. It's crazy! On. I remember those posters. Yeah, I, it took me back the other day, and I had to bring that up on my rants. I pulled that Kenny Easley poster out, and it's all damaged. Mm-hmm. And I was like, damn. I wish I would have saved those. I mean, you know, you took yeah. them down off your wall, you just ripped them down, right. yeah, and you got them away. Right. Yeah, man, we had the coolest posters. We did. So that's they my rant awesome. for this week. All right, I've got two rants, and I'm blanking on the second rant already because that just threw me off of my post. That's time. awesome. Um, but I, I don't. We don't like to be political here, so I, I won't. I just have something quickly on political on, on the political view uh, because it affected my daughter. Some of the stuff that's been going on this week in the world. Um, and I hear a lot of people chirping about what's going on in this world. My my rant for you is simple. If you voted, speak as loud as you want. If you didn't vote, shut up. Period. You want to say something Fair. about what's going on in this world? Show up and vote. Votes. Listen, I'll be the first to admit matter. I haven't doesn't voted matter. in six, 12 years. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. Yeah. I'm not saying it's pro one way or the other. 
But a lot of people have opinion. What's wrong with this country? Well, if you don't vote, then to me, you're. I don't. I don't really care. I'm, what you I'm have fully to say. on board. I don't so. say a word because I haven't voted in 12 years. That's the only. And thing. I proudly say that too, Tommy. Yes, I voted one time when I was 18. My dad took me up. I used to it. vote. I mean, it used to be a thing. I, I haven't voted in 12 years. No, my I dad want to get into. It. I mean, we could. No, that's what I, I think mean, it's but, pretty obvious why I didn't. Yeah. But. That's so I keep my mouth shut. Yeah, you I'm never hear me talk. My no, dad took listen. me up when I was 18. I said, Dad, That's why we I have vote? a sports podcast. Who do I vote for? He said, vote for anybody that has a vowel at the end of their name. And I said, okay. <laughs> that, that's the only time I ever voted. Good. I get in. That's awesome. All right. For me, I was going to be all happy and talk about pit football and, and the recruiting. And they came off a great June uh, official visit season, landed a ton of recruits. Um, but I was just scrolling Twitter. And came across this thing where Freddie Freeman's former agent, Casey Close, did not disclose disclose to Freddie Atlanta's final offer this past offseason. Right? He got the offer from the Dodgers. Atlanta countered. Freddie never heard about that. He didn't know that happened until he, he went back to Atlanta this 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 do, past weekend. Do you think that's where the emotion came in, where he was? Yes, you know, I think I, he I was think, so. He didn't want to leave. He would have stayed. He, he really didn't want to leave. He would have stayed. Uh, he didn't want to. He leave. had no idea. So, I mean, there's so many things we could talk about with this, but when we talk about the game of baseball's broken, and we have on this podcast many times, there's another example why you have agents skewing the game in favor of the Yankees, the, the Dodgers, Marcus. the Red Sox, even over the the Braves. I mean, we're talking Atlanta. His agent did not disclose to him that the Braves came back with a that is wow. despicable. And honestly, that agent should never be he should allowed. be disbarred. Yes, should yes. Never, he should be disbarred. Should yeah. never be a part of the agency a, a, an agent again. Yeah, I agree. And like I said, I wanted to end on a positive note. And we met more pit players this past weekend. You talk about character and just great kids and um and then you but see then I like see that. something like this, and it just pisses you off. There's certain things that strike a chord. Yeah. That was one of them. Because that is another example why baseball is what it is today. Anyway. All right, folks. Uh, so we warned you at the outset that this is probably going to be a little bit longer because we missed a few. We're in an hour and 17 minutes. It could have been a, you know, a lot longer. Uh, covered a lot of ground in that time. It was great to be back. My last thing to say is yeah. for everybody out there, um, uh, we I think, if I'm not mistaken, I believe we teased a big announcement before we left last time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, our, our our fearless leader here, yeah, Mr. Right. Mark Clemente, is now working for DK Sports, covering the pit beat. He does a fantastic job Appreciate uh, that, on Tom. that. Thank and, you. Uh, you know, if you're not a subscriber to DK Pittsburgh Sports, jump on, follow our buddy here, and uh, he's doing a great job with them so far, spitting out articles all the time, running a business, and dealing with us two knuckleheads once a week. So... Follow my buddy here and uh, give him some support. Appreciate it. Thank you, Tommy. It's DK Pittsburgh Sports. I am on the pit beat. Uh, nice article coming up tomorrow. Uh, so I will tease that. on the. Uh, I'm doing a week-by-week -week, uh, uh, roster breakdown for Pitt as we head into fall camp. And tomorrow, the wide receivers. And I will tell you the headline. I'll give you a little sneak peek. The headline is, even without Addison, the pit receivers will soar in 2022. Good so, stuff. Read it. You'll find out why. All right, everybody, thanks so much for tuning in as always. We appreciate it. Keep the great uh, feedback coming, like Sean this week. Uh, you know, the numbers he provided us in terms of football, hockey, and baseball, really appreciate that. Keep on listening, keep sharing. And if there's anything else you want us to talk about, let us know. See you in two weeks. Two weeks, you got it. Tom, have a great vacation. Thanks, buddy. All right. See you, everybody.